been a busy week here at Atonement for a number of different reasons, and because of that, I have been blessed with the opportunity to preach this morning. So, uh, this morning's text for our sermon is from Psalm 51. Uh, this is one of David's seven penitential psalms, or, uh, but it is probably the most well-known of his uh, penitential psalms for a number of different reasons. Um, it's a beautiful psalm in which he repents after his sin with Bathsheba, but it brings comfort to the believer's heart that is convicted of sin. It proclaims the wonderful mercy of God in dealing with us and our sin and reminds us that God is faithful to keep the promises that he has made to us and to forgive our sin. This morning, I want to briefly look at the form of David's repentance, the way in which he repents, the model that he gives us, and then look at how and why he repents and what it brings about. Let me read the psalm and then we'll pray and begin. Psalm 51. To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the inward, in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy, hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your gospel that we find in it. We pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word. That you would... That as your word goes out, that it would fall on fertile soil. That it would sink deeply into 
our, whole, our hearts and transform us and make us more into the likeness of Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you don't know the story of David's sin with Bathsheba, when you hear it, you will likely be shocked at its similarities to a love affair or murder mystery you might see in the news. David was king of Israel, and when it was time of the, the time of the year when the kings went out to war, as the Bible says, David stayed home. And he decided not to go to war. He let his armies go out with him. And while he was home, he was on his roof and saw Bathsheba, this beautiful woman, the wife of one of his uh, soldiers, uh, one of his generals, bathing on her rooftop. And he saw that she was beautiful, and he summons her to her, his palace and had an affair with her. After this, she became pregnant, and David tried to scheme his way out of it. But when that did not work, he ordered that Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, be sent to the front, of the front lines in battle so that he would surely be killed. Uh, if her husband was dead, then his secret was safe, I think David felt. Or thought. But as we read in Psalm 51, as David declares, the Lord knows his transgressions. And so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to confront David in his sin. David did so by telling the story of a rich man who had a large flock of sheep and his poor neighbor who only had one. One day the rich man was throwing a party for his guests. He wanted to kill a, a lamb and offer it for his guests. But he did not kill his own, so he went and took the one sheep of his poor neighbor and slaughtered that and fed it to his guests. When David heard this story, he was enraged and demanded justice for the poor man. And then David said to David, David, Nathan said to David, the rich man is you. David was convicted of his sin, and out of that conviction we have this psalm of repentance. And I do not tell you this story, I do not go into detail of this story so that we can know the details of David's sin and then match ourselves up to him or compare ourselves to him so that we can say, well, at least my sin isn't as bad as David's. At least I didn't kill someone. At least I haven't committed adultery. That's not the purpose of understanding the story of David's sin and not the purpose of reading and preaching from Psalm 51. It's not a contest. David was sinful, but we also are just as sinful as David has, is. We have sinned in, in different ways, but we have sinned in ways that we are all ashamed of. We look at the psalm this morning because, like David, if you have been convicted of your sin and your need for forgiveness, then repentance is the next step. And what better place to learn what true repentance looks like than from a man like David? Or should I say a man who is just like the rest of us, a sinner to his core. David's repentance takes a very simple form. He begins with the confession of his sin and his utter sinfulness. And then he pleads for a complete cleansing of his sin and full restoration of his relationship with God. Then he commits himself to the purpose of telling other sinners about God's mercy. As some of you have heard before, repentance can be described as or defined as a turning around. In fact, that is the literal meaning of the word repentance. 
But that's pretty vague. It is usually explained in a way to help us, and it's a turning away from our sin and turning towards God. But that also, I think, it's a little bit better, but also somewhat vague. The Westminster Shorter Catechism defines repentance, and he expands on this definition and gives us a good picture of what repentance is. It defines repentance as God's grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and a hatred for it, in apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, turns from his sin back to God and with full purpose seeks after obedience. Psalm 51 shows exactly what that looks like. David recognizes his sin and utter sinfulness and makes his confession based on that. It's not that he had done a bad thing, but that he is a sinner and has been since his conception, as he says in verse 5. He confesses that his sin, no matter what he has done or whom he has done it to, is ultimately a sin against God. And this is why we can't sit here and read Psalm 51 or read 2 Samuel 12 where David is confronted by Nathan and compare ourselves to him and say, look, I'm better than David. We can't do that. As David, as David says, as we know, David's sins are, sin, are, are serious, but so is any sin, because it, all sin is an affront to God. Just because your sin, sin may not harm someone, but your, or harm anyone but yourself, doesn't mean God looks at you any differently than he looked at David and his sin. Paul tells us in Romans 3, chapter, 23, uh, chapter 3, verses 23, For all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in chapter 6, verse 23, The wages of sin is death. David was a man who deserved death for his sins. But so are you and I. In order to truly repent, we must see ourselves as David saw himself, utterly sinful. After his confession, David moves on to asking for what he needs more than anything else, which is this cleansing, a clean heart and restoration of his relationship with God. David knows that it is his sin that separates him from God, and the only way he can be restored to that right relationship that he longs for is through the cleansing of his sin. He knows this because of the sacrificial, the sacrificial system that has been established in the Old Testament. When David saw the sacrifices in the temple, he knew that those animals were not, the, the blood of his, those animals were not covering his sin, but pointing to the covering of his sin that would come through the Messiah that God had promised to his people. David knew and longed and hoped for this cleansing that would come from God's Messiah. He needs the blood of the promised Messiah, and that is the, that is the Christ's blood the sacrificial system points to. David pleads for his cleansing because it is the cleansing that God promises his people in the covenant he made with Moses at Sinai. That is why he says, purge me with hyssop. It was a hyssop branch that was used in the temple. It was dipped in the blood of the sacrifice and then sprinkled on the altar to, to signify the covering of our sin with God's blood. But it was not that blood that covered our sin. It was only that blood that pointed to the blood of Christ. David pleads for a clean heart 
Because only God can give him that clean heart. And because he longs to be in God's presence. And to have the joy of salvation restored to him. David longs to be right with God. And he knows the only way that that can happen is through the washing away of his sins by the blood of the Lamb. And that is the same for us. Our only hope for rest and peace and the joy of salvation and a renewed relationship with God is through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Once he had confessed his sins and pled for cleansing and restoration, he commits himself to telling others, other sinners of God's mercy, so that he might turn from their sins and receive forgiveness from God. David's focus is no longer on the pain and the suffering he's experienced because of his sin and is now turned towards the joy of his salvation and the focus of his, his salvation, which is God and his love for God and God's mercy. And now all that he can do and look to do is to tell others of that mercy so that other sinners like himself could come to know the mercy of God and repent. But that, we're going to get back to this. We're going to come back to this, this evangelism that David, that David goes into out of this psalm. But first I wanted to, just, to think about a few things uh, as we look at the psalm as a whole. One thing that I think is very clear from Psalm 51 and the story of David and Nathan in 2 Samuel 12 is that David did not come to his repentance on his own strength. When we look at what his repentance looks like, and then we look at the how and why of his repentance, how did he come to repentance? Because God brought him to this place. It was not David that made up in his own mind, I need to repent of my sins. It was God that brought him to a state of utter despair that brought him to this place where he knew he had to repent. David came to his repentance by God's grace and mercy. It was God's grace that opened David's eyes to his sin, and it was God's mercy that gave David the desire to repent. You see, God could have let David continue on in his sin. He could have let David go and think that he got away with this murder and with this adultery. He was the king. No one was going to bring charges against him. He'd gotten away with it. Uriah was dead. No one was going to question what had happened. But God did not let him get away with it. And that is God's mercy. God stepped in via Nathan, the prophet, and opened David's eyes to his sin and broke his heart over it so that he might repent. God had to bring David low to a point of despair where the weight of his sin was so great that he even talks of God breaking his bones in verse 8. Notice, though, that David speaks of his bones, his broken bones, rejoicing. The bones that God had broken, let them rejoice, is what he says. He, he speaks of this despair, this place, this state that God has brought him to, not with why God, why me, but with hope and joy in the promised forgiveness that God promises his people. David sees the state of his desperation as a state that God has put him in as a gift of mercy. 
David came to a place where all he could, where all he could do was see his sin and the helplessness of it. And it was only that there that he could actually return to God in true repentance. If God had brought you, has brought you to this point, he has done so according to his mercy. God had, could have given David up to his sin and let him go on to his destruction, but he didn't because he had made a covenant with, with David. And he is faithful to that covenant, even though David was not. And the same goes for you and I. God could give us up to our sin. But he doesn't because he loves us with the same covenant love with which he loved David. And so he brings us to a low point. He brings us to this state of desperation where all we can see is our utter sinfulness and then cry out to him for mercy. That is how God deals with our sin. God in his mercy brought David to the point of repentance and it is by his mercy that he brings you and I to the same place. Repentance is not possible without the Spirit's work in us and without God's mercy. How do we come to the place of repentance? The answer is by God's mercy. And another important thing to see is that David's plea for mercy is based on God's promised mercy according to his, his covenants. In verse 1, David pleads for mercy from God according to his steadfast love and abundant mercy. David is using a covenantal language here because he knows that the only reason he is able to make a plea for cleansing is because God has promised that he could do so. And that God has promised to forgive his sins if he does. Why does David repent? Because God has shown him mercy already. And he knows, because of the covenants God has made with his people, that he will continue to show him mercy. The same goes, again, for you and I. We repent because God has shown us our sin. He's been merciful to us to not let us continue in our sin. And because we know by his word that he freely offers mercy to all who believe. The Westminster Shorter Catechism calls this the apprehension of God's mercy in Christ. And what that means, I think, is the grasping of God's mercy. We repent because in our hearts we have come to grasp hold of and understand God's mercy and our need for it. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And I would say that that kindness is God's promised mercy in Christ. Think about it this way. David did not return to the Lord in repentance because of God's wrath, although he knew and was fearful of God's wrath. But I think the psalm shows us that he returned to the Lord in repentance because he knew God's mercy, and it was abundant. The same goes for you and I. We do not repent because of God's wrath, though we want to be spared from it. We repent because we know that Christ died for us. All of this produced in David a desire to see other sinners return to God and for the proper worship of God. The fruit of repentance, what this repentance brings about 
is worship and evangelism. David did not count himself useless in God's hands because of his sins. In fact, it's the exact opposite. David saw himself as better equipped because of receiving God's mercy to tell others of God's mercy. Who better to tell sinners about Jesus than sinners who have been saved by Jesus? Repentance produces a desire to praise God and to tell others about the saving work of Christ on the cross. If we have truly repented of our sins and received the forgiveness and cleansing that God promises, then all we have to do, all we can do, is proclaim that mercy to others who also need that forgiveness and that restoration. But why don't I always feel that desire when I repent or when I confess my sins? Why do I not always feel forgiveness or, or worthy enough to tell others about Jesus? I think it's because I don't believe the gospel as I should. It is easy for us to look at the cross and know that Christ's death, death, was sufficient for my sin, and that because he died, I am forgiven. But I think sometimes I, and I suspect others with me, don't always believe that I have been fully cleansed. See, I hold on to my sin and the shame that is attached to it. And I believe that because of my sin, I am rendered unworthy of serving God or telling others about him. Brothers and sisters, if this describes you as it does me, we must repent of it. The cleansing David pleased for and the cleansing Christ died to give us was full and complete. Christ has removed the stain of your sin and he has made you whiter than snow by the covering of his sinless and perfect blood and righteousness. I say this, it's a matter of not believing that, that causes us to not feel it. It's not because God's sacrifice was not sufficient. It's not because we are not fully cleansed. If that was the case, if we were not fully cleansed by Christ's death on the cross, then I can tell you this, we are not fully saved by it either. Because Christ's death was sufficient not just for the forgiveness, but also for our righteousness. We are righteous because Christ was righteous, because he died to give us his righteousness. When we confess our sins and repent of our sinfulness and turn to the Lord, we don't turn to him covered still in our sin. We turn to him covered in Christ's righteousness, able to tell and share with others the mercy of God in Christ. That's the only thing we can do if we've truly repented. The good news of the gospel is that God saves sinners fully through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And it is that good news that David looked to in, in faith as he repented 
And it is the good news we must believe in faith as we repent as well. Otherwise, what good news do we have to share with other sinners? To those of you who are here today who may not have already turned to God in repentance of your sins, He is calling you to look to Christ and see His mercy for sinners and repent. Just as He came to David by Nathan and exposed his sin, if you are feeling the weight of your sin, the conviction of your sin, that is the Holy Spirit and His mercy bringing you to a place of repentance. If you feel like the weight of your sin is crushing you like a ton of rocks, that is God's mercy. And that is Him calling out to you to repent. I promise you, as a sinner who has received this mercy, it is full and complete. Christ's death can pay the price for all of your sins. And his blood can make you completely clean so that there is no more guilt or shame and no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God does not require that you make your own sacrifice because he has made it for you. All he requires is that you believe. Let us pray. Father, we, we give you thanks. For your mercies are new each morning, and they are great. In your faithfulness, and your steadfast love, it is overwhelming. God, we thank you that you do not let us continue in our sin, but you bring us to the point of breaking our bones so that we might cry out to you. God, I pray that you would do so. Give us the faith to cry out to you and turn to Christ and receive the salvation he died to give us. That we might live our lives to tell others of this mercy and show forth the goodness and kindness of Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.